Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. If you've ever been part of a mother's group, you'll know every child develops at a different rate, even when they're the same age and sex. When they sit, crawl and walk can differ enormously. You know, we all sit around in our groups with our babies in the centre. It's really easy to see how different they all are. Imagine being a parent of twins, one boy and one girl, and seeing the differences between your two children. Robin Papworth noticed this in her own children and decided it was worth further investigation. Already a developmental educator with older people, she turned her attentions to smaller ones and is now the director and founder of Play, Move, Improve. Hi, Robin. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. My very first podcast. So thank oh, you. perfect. Well, we're glad we're, we're your first. Thank you. <laughs> now it all sounds very intimate. And let's just move on. Um, what did you see in your twins, Hugh and Isla, that got you thinking about the way children develop their fine motor skills? Yeah, it's, um, it was amazing. I tell everyone that I've had you know, four-year degree, I've had a master's degree, and my children have taught me more than any certificate I have because out came these two beautiful little ones. One, Hugh, was very delayed from the get-go, and Isla, you could see, was already developing ahead of her twin. So my textbook really has been watching them develop over the last six years. Um, it's, it's like your own little mini social experience. Fantastic. And you can do it. It's not unethical if they're your own children. Exactly. I can sign for it if I need to. <laughs> So what I've been doing is obviously using all of the research and the knowledge that I've had over over the years, but then having these real life little people in my world to observe and to learn and to develop my skills as well. Well, you say that um, Hugh from the get-go was a bit behind. Was that because he was a boy or were there other things at play for Hugh? There were two factors. So in twins, he was the smallest one, um, but they were at 38 weeks. So that was really great for twins. But what we noticed was in the ultrasounds, we could see that he laid laterally in my tummy. So that means he laid sideways instead of being typical head down, so they would call it. So from the research and the knowledge that I had, I knew that that may play a part in his, we call it vestibular function. It's part of his balance. So I knew that that may have an impact. So when I, obviously day one, we we, um, got to have cute little cuddles, the therapist part kicked in. I'm like, ah, I need to put him upside down and see (laughs) what happens here. (laughs) And what we could see was that he didn't have the movement inside my womb to turn upside down, to roll, to practice all those fundamental skills before they're born. So when I went to tip him upside down, his eyes flickered. You could see his body went all like icky. That's all we can see in a baby. They don't say, oh, I'm really dizzy. A newborn doesn't say that. But you can see in his body language that he found that really uncomfortable. Where I had my other little girl sitting there and I was able to tip her upside down. She was in a typical head down position for some of the pregnancy. Towards the end, she was breech. Um, But you could see the difference straight away. Day one, you could see. I have to ask you, I had no idea that babies are practicing skills in utero. Yeah. So that that, that crazy somersaulting you feel in your tummy, that is something that's developing their motor skills or their balance, balance? motor skills, everything. Absolutely. Which is amazing. So, you know, I suppose I've always worn two hats. I wear this parenting hat, which is exhausted and (laughs) stop kicking me. (laughs) You know, during the middle of the night, you've got a twin pregnancy and you lay on one side and one baby kicks and you lay on the other side and the other other baby kicks and your mum hat's going oh just stop but my therapy hat was going this is fantastic 
because every kick, every roll, every squirm is all motor development. They're building it before they're even born. That is so fascinating. Um, So fast forward, you decided to put your energy into understanding more about small people. That sounds like a really natural progression. Was it was it for you a natural progression to go from helping older people to concentrating on younger ones? Absolutely. Um, I worked in falls prevention in the aged community, and that is the three systems of balance. It's our vestibular, which is in our inner ear. It's our proprioception, which we feel through our feet, and it was our eyes. And I do the same with children now. So I look at their vestibular. So we get them spinning and rocking and moving their head. I look at their proprioception. We do lots of barefoot play. We do lots of stomping and jumping. And then I look at their vision, lots of visual tracking and hand-eye coordination. So all I've done is I've taken it from a dementia ward into a early learning centre. Okay. So um, is there an age when a child really should have mastered something? I mean, I'm pretty sure most mums don't have their babies and they hang them upside down. No, they no. don't know what I they're doing. I don't encourage that. I no. don't encourage Only if you've been trained, let's (laughs) let's just say that. So at what point can you um, start to see whether your child is developing appropriately? We look at the three-year-old mark, but doing this for 10 years, even in elderly, and studying it really intensely for six years, our data at the moment isn't matching my old textbooks. What we've got typically when it comes to the balance challenges that Hugh had is we're seeing that in five, six and seven year olds because they're on iPads or they're in front of video games or they're not outside playing backyard cricket, they're indoors. So the data that we used to have, we would typically want to see these milestones developing of preschool milestones developing at the age of three. We are seeing children starting primary school, ages five, six and seven, not yet developing those skills. Wow, that's frightening. Yes, which is why I'm really getting out there to raise awareness because the concern is we have this research, but we also have a new lifestyle that isn't tracked as much as I would love it to be tracked yet. So what you're finding is that um, what they should be developing when they're younger, they're not developing until they're older. So what impact does that have on them? Yeah, so not, you know, this isn't all children, of course. I always like to make sure Hashtag of that. not all children. <laughs> okay. Where Got to watch you? what I say when you're a therapist. Um, but what we're looking at is at the age of three, we should be able to pick up something from the ground and come back upright without getting dizziness or without looking disoriented. Or you'll see it in their eyes. Their eyes might flicker because that was overwhelming for their balance system. We want them to be able to spin around in a circle and again, not get overly dizzy, not get disoriented. We want them to be able to pick up objects and let go of them slowly. So one thing that I get all three-year-olds to do is to sprinkle sand or sprinkle sprinkles in their cooking to make sure that their hand function is working and not being impacted by a video game controller. And then the other thing we want to do is make sure kids know how to throw and catch by the age of three. Large ball first. We always start with the big ball first and then we go on to a small tennis ball. But by the age of three, they should be allowed to catch a large ball. And by the age of four, we want a small ball. Reasoning for that is we want the kids to have those fundamental movement skills that they'll need for school. As you're saying that, I'm going... Can my four-year-old son catch a ball? That's that's a problem with having this job. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Robin Papworth. She's the director and founder of Play, Move, Improve. And we're talking about um, gross motor skills, um, balance, and all these sorts of things. And Robin was just explaining that they're seeing children who aren't perhaps where they should be at because our lifestyles are changing. Children aren't out playing as much anymore and they're more on iPads, etc. Um, in terms of that particular problem, as a um, 
as a professional, do you think the answer is to put away all the devices or do we as a society have to learn how to help our children regain skills they would typically get in another way? Yeah, absolutely. Two hats. Mum hat yes. <laughs> needs my sanity. Yes, yes. <laughs> I get to dinner time and I just, TV, just sit there so I can cook my dinner. Therapy hat, we need balance. You know, these um, iPads and iPhones and video games have great function for some skills. They give them problem solving. They're great for language development. They're great for visual tracking to a point. But then we've got to get the big gross motor visual tracking. We've got to move our head from left to right, move our head up and down, which we don't get from these devices. So mine is always balance. Just like, you know, we know, eat your fruit and veggies, drink your water, everything in moderation. I don't like to say no iPads. My kids have iPads, but I do like to say use them wisely. And if your kid's been on the iPad for half an hour to an hour, I tend to encourage people, just get up and throw a ball or tap a balloon, pick up a scrunched up piece of paper and throw it across the room. Just get the body doing still those fundamental movements, but enjoy the benefits of the technology as well. It's such a strange way of thinking, isn't it, that we're having to relearn such basic things as throwing and catching, which is what every child used to do. Or climbing in and out of a cardboard box. You know, we forget that when we were little, we used to make a cardboard car and we used to get the balance of climbing, you know, climbing our legs in and out of this cardboard box. It's not from a fancy toy provider. It's a (laughs) recyclable (laughs) product. And it's just bringing back that creativity, scrunched up piece of paper. We all have it. We don't need fancy things in the house, but it's just, yeah, it's the basics. We just be need, we need to be reminded of them. So you mentioned just there um, balancing and you've said that, you know, you want them to be able to throw and catch a ball by the time they're three. What What is it with balancing? Like, because I'm not really that great at balancing now and I'm 42. So yes, <laughs> how, how, how do we judge, how do we know that they're progressing well in terms of balance developmentally, especially when we may not be very good at balancing ourselves. Absolutely. And we are losing our balancing skills through the lifestyle we have too. So it's always keeping in check with us parents as well as our kids. What I test for in a three-year-old is I test that they should be able to stand on one foot with their eyes open. It seems easy, but it's actually quite complicated. So standing on one foot, eyes open, I look for three seconds is great. This is easy for people to remember. When they get to four, we start to challenge it a little bit. We go standing on one foot up to five seconds and we start to see if they can do it eyes closed, even for a quick second, because we want to use all those three systems of balance. So when I'm standing on one foot and my eyes are open, my eyes are doing 80% of that activity. But if I close my eyes, it has to rely on those other two systems, vestibular and proprioception, to be able to balance. And that's what we're testing for. The reason why our kids are getting to primary school and they're struggling with these concepts is they're not using their visual tracking like they would have if they were playing backyard cricket or climbing in and out of a cardboard box. So we're seeing kids who may be able to stand on one foot with their eyes open, but as soon as we close their eyes, they lose their balance. Why we need that for school is if you imagine I have to write notes from a whiteboard and I've got to look up at that whiteboard and I've got to look back down and find my spot. We see kids look up at the whiteboard, get disoriented, come back to their page and they've either forgotten what was on the whiteboard or they've forgotten where their page was. Right. So it's this balance. And balance isn't just being able to stand on one foot. Balance is being able to move the body separate to each other. The head moves different to the body. It's being able to pick up something from the ground. And in my passion of falls prevention when we're 80 and 90, my concern is is if our kids aren't practicing it now, if us as middle-aged aren't doing it now, where are we at? 
when we're 80. Thanks for reminding me I'm middle-aged. <laughs> then I'm one foot. <laughs> yeah. How long should – I want to know how long parents <laughs> should be able to do this. Everyone who's listening at home, how long should we be able to stand on one foot? So in adults, we yes. want 10 seconds standing on one foot. With eyes, eyes closed. Go- with eyes closed. Eyes closed. I can't Obviously, do that. Obviously, my risk management hat has to come in. You need to have a sturdy chair nearby. <laughs> <laughs> no accidents at home. <laughs> I don't want to do it now, yeah. but I won't. Um, when it comes to motor skills, are there warning signs that a child might be having difficulty? Yeah, the things we look for are, so say, for example, we've got a child who's between the age, I say he, sorry, I shouldn't, I just think of Hugh when I say he, child between the ages of three and four. And we're noticing that they are either going outside and tripping over a lot, tripping over feet, tripping over rocks, tripping over other children, bumping into other children, or we're finding that they're avoiding the gross motor skills. They're typically staying inside, playing near the train track, staying at the craft table because they're nervous to go outside and climb a climbing frame and do those things. That's my usual warning sign. So I always look at what activities they're really involving themselves in. Are they well-rounded? Do they try lots of different things or are they avoiding anything? The next thing I look for is that disorientation. So if I ask them, can you please go and get your drink bottle? And the drink bottle is deliberately set a few feet away. And can you bring the drink bottle back? I'm watching whether they can navigate through that without needing help, without bumping into things. And by three, they should be able to do that. Okay. The reason why we want to do it at three is because we want to tackle it while they're three rather than they get to age six and seven and they're in a busy classroom, overwhelming learning space, and they're starting to feel frustrated and overwhelmed in that space. Now, that's you assessing someone who may need help. What about when a child's about to head off to school? Let's say it's the year before they go to prep or kindy. Are there anything... Are there, is there anything that parents can be doing with them to get them ready for school? Absolutely. Play, 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 play. <laughs> and play, I always say play big. So what that means is do big, large movements first. I don't need a grade five preppy to come into school and be able to write their name in beautiful letter formation and, and be able to use a perfect pair of scissors, cut a straight line. It's great, but that's not the essentials. The essentials are being able to go from A to B to follow an instruction, being able to open up their own backpack and get out their own lunchbox. Those fine motor skills are more important at that age than being able to do letter formation. So when we play at home, it's lots of tearing paper. We can start getting our pincer grip by tearing paper. Scrunching paper gets the hands and the wrists stronger. Lots of throwing and catching. Because when we throw and catch a ball, it's not just about throwing and catching and achieving it. It's, well, when the ball drops... We have to bend over and we have to be able to pick it up without losing our balance. We're also learning how to visually track. So we want to move our head and our eyes a lot, left, right, up and down. It's those skills that you want kids to have before they start school. And you'll see them, if they're typically challenged by it and they're struggling with it, you'll see them either avoid it or they'll get a little bit silly in the activity because they're trying to avoid it Um, or you'll see that they will have elements where they might go to pick the ball up from the ground and they'll lose track of where mum or dad are or they might um, get frustrated and just walk off on the activity altogether. The goal then is to just bring it in little spurts. So we might throw it three times and then we'll play their favourite game. We might go and get a train and do it along the ground or drop their favourite objects randomly around the house to challenge their balance. Right, because we don't have to drop them randomly they're probably lying already there (laughs) yeah so just pick that up for me that would be great (laughs) and look finally how is Hugh doing now he's he's doing really well he's great at school academically um which was 
half my concern, but not always my concern. What I was concerned about was he's great in the playground now. He's a confident playground user where two years ago he would have avoided the playground. So now he's in there with his friends. He's able to throw and catch and kick a footy with his friends. And that was my main goal for him. I wanted him to be an active learner and not be shy away at the craft table because that's what he would have done. He would have stayed writing beautiful letter formation. He would have had fantastic scissor use, but he was avoiding those gross motor skills and now he's doing really great. Well, that's good to hear. What a lovely place to end it on. Robin, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It's a pleasure. That's Robin Papworth. She's a developmental educator and founder of Play, Move, Improve. And if you'd like to find out more about the work Robin does, just head to our website, kindling.com.au and search for Papworth. That's P-A-P-W-O-R-T-H. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.